Well, happy Sunday to you. For those watching online and listening, thank you so much for taking the time to do that. Well, we're going to wrap up our series, Winning with Emotions, today. We're going to be looking at anxiety. But before we do, we've talked about this last couple of weeks, that emotions, emotions are something you have, that I have. We all know them. We've all been on the receiving end of them. And our emotions, they come from God. Every human being has been and will continue to be created in God's likeness. And He's designed our emotions to work a certain way in us. But all of us have this cancer called sin, and sin has corrupted all of us, including our emotions. Which means there's a reason why you and I handle a situation. It may be very differently, but we can have our emotions begin to control us, and then we begin to lose relationships. We begin maybe even to lose our job. We begin to lose out on things. Emotions provide you in a way, a unique way for us to worship God and win with people. And so as God became flesh, Jesus, God in a bod, emotions were at play. Those who lived and interacted with Jesus saw how God in a human body handled emotions. In fact, handled emotions perfectly. Our friends at Soul Shepherding explain that Jesus, as they see the, throughout the New Testament, how he handled a full range of human emotions perfectly. He experienced anxiety, anger, shame, sadness, pain, surprise, hope, faith, love, happiness, and peace. And then whoever wrote the letter of Hebrews points out that Jesus handled emotions perfectly. Check this out. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who's ascended into heaven, Jesus, Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. So if this letter was written to Hebrews, it was those who were Jews who became Christians. And they had a really good understanding of the Hebrew scriptures. They understood what the high priest did and what his duties were. They understood that every year the high priest would go into the innermost part of the tabernacle or the temple and sacrifice on behalf of the people. And then God would accept that sacrifice based if it was spotless. But it had a limited warranty. One year. They would have to keep doing this over and over and over again every year at the Day of Atonement because they were waiting for the day that God would deliver his people himself, that God would ultimately be the sacrifice. And so Jesus was the high priest unlike any other high priest before him. And through his death and resurrection, he is the last and thus the great high priest. Jesus interceded on your behalf and my behalf so that we could not only just receive forgiveness of our sins, but that we could be in a relationship with God. So he continues, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. And every way means every way, including emotions. And Jesus is able to relate to you and I because he's been there. He's been there when his friends disappointed him. He was there when people angered him. He was there in the crowds. He was there at a wedding celebration, at a reception. He was there in all the situations we find ourselves. He was there. He's been there. But the thing that makes him different than us is that he handled those situations with those emotions perfectly. So the author says, let us then. And the then explains that the reason why we can take this next step is because of Jesus. Because he's our high priest. 
because he perfectly handled emotions regardless of the situation, because he empathizes with you and me. He understands what you and I are facing. Here's our next step. We can approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy, kindness, compassion, and find grace, unmerited favor to help us in our time of need. That you and I, when we have a time of need, whether it's a financial need or whether for you it's a relationship need or maybe you're struggling through a marriage or maybe you're parenting for the first time or maybe you're ready to start that new job, that new career. You have that time of need and emotions can begin to boil up and it's in those moments where we can go to God and say, God, I need mercy. I need compassion. I need kindness. I need grace. So this week as we wrap up the series, We'll see how we've all experienced the racing heartbeat, the goosebumps, stomach in our mouth feeling, the shortness of breath, the eyes wide open in fear of something or someone. So if fear is hardwired in all of us, how do we fear without losing faith? See, much of our fear today shows up as anxiety. Much of our anxiety is caused by things outside of our control, and control being the optimum word for us. There are, there are, I would say, symptoms of anxiety. I think these are pretty common. There's headaches, there's muscle pain and tension. Um, you don't sleep. There's tightness felt throughout the body, especially in the hand, neck, jaw, and face. I mean, there's chest pain, there's tingling, there's numbness. For some of us, we have an accelerated heart rate. For some of us, we have cold chills or hot flashes, and even for some of us, we cannot breathe. We're trying to catch our breath. See, all of us, regardless of our personality, regardless of how we're wired, we all deal with anxiety. Now, some more than others, and there's others of us that anxiety has been so much part of our story that when we go through a season without anxiety, we feel off. We feel off. Uh, in 2017, it was pretty rough as we started the church in January. And then eight months later, I received an email from someone that was part of our core team. And when I mean core team, someone helped launch the church and start the church with us. In fact, they were, they were like family to us. I get the email, and in so many words, he says, we have a different vision for this church. And we can no longer come. We can no longer serve. We are no longer be part of this church. Then it broke me. And when I got that email, I remember where I was. I was on the 17th hole of the gauntlet. I was with Richard. And I couldn't finish our round. I had a hard time breathing. I was having a hard time trying to catch my breath. My heart was racing. My stomach was inside of my mouth. And then finally, just praying in my mind, Holy Spirit, help me to get a hold of myself. Help me to get a hold of myself. Help me to get a hold of myself. And finally, after a few minutes, I was able to sort of breathe on my own. It's the first time I've ever had a panic attack, and that was the last time that I had one. And here's the truth, guys. We are more anxious than we've ever been before. We are more anxious than we've ever been before. And something that's not discussed by the media is how anxiety in adults have quadrupled five months into the pandemic. July of 2019, about 8% of adults 
showed signs of anxiety or an anxiety disorder. Five months into the pandemic, an estimated 36% of adults showed signs of anxiety disorder. And we would all agree that the pandemic was like a wildfire, disrupting routines, stroking like economic fears, destroying our lives, adding the political, the philosophical, the racial tensions, along with biased news and state governments extending when you can leave your home dates. No wonder, no wonder why anxiety in adults quadrupled in the first five months of the pandemic. And it hasn't slowed down, not like it should have. And during the time of the study, it's estimated by the Wall Street Journal that Big Pharma would profit $360 billion through the remainder of the pandemic with the sale of antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication. And I believe we know this to be true. Anxiety robs us of living. It robs you, it robs me of living. Anxiety hurts. Like we carry around anxiety like malware on a computer. It subtly slows us down and keeps us from operating on God's strength. Jody Pickle, she writes this, anxiety is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but gets you nowhere. See, for some of us, there's a lot of movement, right? There's a lot of movement, but we're not going anywhere. We're staying busy for the sake of staying busy. So, I don't know if this helps. I hope this helps. But for some of us, our anxiety is like this brick. We carry it around. Like, I got this. It starts off, I can handle this. I can handle this relational tension. I can relate. I can handle this financial tension. I can handle this. And what we do is we begin to carry it around. We begin to carry this around. And what begins to happen is anxiety becomes heavier and heavier and heavier, even more than we anticipate. It goes with us. No matter where we go, it goes with us. And then it begins to slow us down. We are not operating on God's strength anymore. Maybe this surprises you, or maybe this confronts you. Or maybe this even comforts you. Jesus battled anxiety. Did you know that? Do you know that he battled anxiety? Just like anger, anxiety, or feeling anxious isn't a sin. But it's when it's unhealthy and outside of God's design, it becomes sinful. So just after the Passover meal, which was the last meal that Jesus had with his disciples, they go to a place called Gethsemane. Notice what Mark writes. Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. See, he knows what's about to happen. He he knows that he's going to be sacrificed like a lamb. He knows that he's going to be fully exposed to everybody. And he knows that he's about to be betrayed by one of his students who's been with him for three years. So between what he's going to be going through as a sacrifice for our sins, as well as being betrayed by one of his students, he was deeply distressed. And he says to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. He's like, guys, listen, man, I 
and feeling like I am going to die. I'm so sick to my, so sick to my stomach. Pray for me. He desires his closest students to be with him during his time of need. And it leads us to this point. One of the reasons why anxiety keeps growing in you and in me is because we are not in community. You're not in community. I'm not in community. What begins to happen is our anxiety keeps growing. Jesus invited his closest friends with him in his fight against anxiety. And it's an example for us to follow because there's healing when we share what is keeping us anxious. Like during Easter, several people came up to me, just tears in their eyes, because we have not seen them for three years. The last time we saw this one particular family was March of 2020. We did not see them until April of 2023. And as she had walked in and she was just, I mean, she, her eyes were full of tears. And she said, I just miss being here. See, there's something about community. There's something about being with each other. The other thing that Jesus modeled an example for us is that we need to talk with God. See, have you ever had a red, orange, or yellow light go off in your dashboard? Maybe it was like the check engine light. Those, prob- Listen, those lights are not the problem. They are warning that there is a problem. It's time to take it to the shop and they go directly to their manufacturer, or whatever the case may be. But we need to get it to the person who can fix it. Anxiety is a signal alerting you that it's time to pray. That's what anxiety is. It's a signal alerting you that it's time to pray. Listen, if something is big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. So Mark continues, going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if it possible, the hour might pass from him. And this is what Jesus prayed, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. And what's beginning to happen is that this wasn't a scripted prayer like our kids may pray. This was raw, honest, and real. This was gut-wrenching, depth-of-the-soul prayer to his Father, the only one who could do anything for him. And then the final thing during this fight with anxiety that Jesus battles is not allowing his feelings to dictate how he was willing to live by surrendering to God's will. So this did not keep him from surrendering to God's will. Notice how he prays, yet not I will, but what you will. Jesus did not allow his feelings to dictate his fight against anxiety of the crucifixion. No one in their right mind would want to be crucified. No one's volunteering to be crucified. Crucifixion was intended to strike fear in the community. Listen, all of us at times have feelings that if we acted on them, we would end up on the news or on prison. Our feelings cannot be the boss of us. They cannot control us. And if they do, then we're losing the fight against fear. So what Jesus does is he aligns his, his feelings with his Father's will. And in our case, we need to align our feelings with our faith. Have you ever put a puzzle together? When we begin to put a puzzle together, what do we start with? Yeah, we usually start with the corners. Well, listen, Jesus is our cornerstone. Everything in our faith is centered and aligned on him. He is our starting point. So when things become out of whack, we need to get back to our cornerstone. 
We've got to remember where we need to start with. Who is the foundation of our faith? It's Jesus. Faith leads us, not our feelings. Faith leads us, not our feelings. Have you ever felt that God doesn't love you? The truth is that he does. In fact, he loved you at your worst. When you weren't pursuing him, when you weren't looking for him, when you were doing whatever you wanted to do, and that sin put Jesus to death. Listen, listen, listen. He loved you. Have you ever felt like you're alone? Truth is that you're not. If you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus' Spirit, the Holy Spirit, lives in you. Have you ever felt worried about money? Maybe you've been tithing. Maybe you've been giving. See, God promises to supply your needs. Maybe have you ever felt that God couldn't forgive you? You did something so unforgivable. The truth is that he does forgive you when you confess. Notice what Paul writes. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. What he's saying is, listen, we need to cast our anxiety. We need to cast our fear on him by turning our anxiety into prayer. You, we may say, well, I tried to pray, but it didn't work. Well, prayer is like planting. It's working even though you can't see it. We truly have to trust the process. All fear and anxiety is lingering in the future. What Thanksgiving does is it snaps us back to now. Remembering what I can be thankful for now helps me forget what I might not have later. And he continues, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, peace surrounds our heart. Right? The peace of God surrounds our heart. It surrounds our mind. And what begins to happen is I'm being built by the Holy Spirit. I'm growing in my faith. I'm growing in my dependence of God. And what begins to happen is this. I need to begin to take that brick, that anxiety. I need to stop carrying it. And I need to place it with Jesus. See, the cross reminds us that He's willing to carry us, the empty grave reminds us that he's capable of carrying us. So this, this anxiety, it, it, it goes to Jesus because the cross reminds us that he's willing to carry us. The empty grave reminds us that he's capable of carrying us. So two things to think about as we, we close. Number one, will you try to carry your anxiety or fight it on your own strength? And number two, will you be willing to give your anxiety, your fear, will you be willing to give those things to God who cares deeply for you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this moment. I appreciate you allowing Mark to have this recorded. And what I ask is that those of us who are struggling with anxiety, we would place our anxiety and our fears to Jesus. I ask that you would heal us. I ask that you would allow us to have that peace that will guard our hearts, guard our minds. For some of us, I ask that Jesus would become the center of our faith, that we would trust 
you to handle our anxiety and our fear, that we would approach it with prayer. We would not trust our feelings, but we would trust Christ. For those of us who need additional help, maybe we're going through counseling or maybe we're seeing a doctor for, for medication, I ask that you will guide that process really well. Really well. I also pray, Father, for those in the room who are parenting kids that are dealing with anxiety, I pray that you will give us as parents wisdom on how to handle that and how to lead our kids well through their struggle with anxiety. In Jesus' name, amen.